Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. series on uh, Jacob at the moment we're looking at the story of Jacob and um, I want to have you ever found something hidden inside something else Um, sometimes that can be quite a pleasant surprise uh, and sometimes it's not quite so pleasant so I I know somebody who bought a pair of pajamas and inside it she found a 20 pound note that was quite a good find Once, uh, when we were getting ready for Christmas, we didn't live in the UK at the time, um, we were unpacking the Christmas decorations and I shook out a stocking and there was a scorpion in the bottom. That was not quite such a good find. Um, Animals are particularly good at hiding, pretending to be something that they're not. Now, whilst I was researching this, I discovered, as you can see on the pictures there, um, I discovered that seahorses are surprisingly good at this. I was pretty amazed. Usually animals like seahorses, they do this in order to get something for themselves. some kind of reward for their efforts. Often it either protects them from being eaten or it enables them to eat. We've all seen those David Attenborough clips, haven't we, where um, an innocent creature is strolling along or swimming along and suddenly the seafloor turns into a flesh-eating monster or the innocuous branch is actually a vicious predator Out of the hollow of a tree bursts some animal that just gobbles up the innocent creature. The reward for hiding well. The reward for pretending to be uh, something that you're not. Passing yourself off as something else. In our passage today, this is what Jacob does. Jacob passes himself off as his brother Esau in order to gain something for himself. In order to gain a reward, his father's blessing. The story is found in Genesis 27, verses 1 through to 38. I am not going to read the whole passage, quite long, um, so I'm going to summarise. Here we go. Isaac getting old. He wants, before he dies, to give a blessing to his favourite son and the eldest, Esau. He asks Esau to go and hunt for him, to cook his favourite meal, to come back and receive the blessing. Rebecca. Isaac's wife, the mother of the twins, Jacob and Esau. She overhears this. Now she wants Jacob, her favourite son, to get the blessing instead. So she persuades him to dress up as Esau. She helps him to prepare the food and she sends him in to Isaac. I'm going to read verses 18 to 29. So he went into his father and he said, my father, And he said, here I am, who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me, now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are Esau or not. 
So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he didn't recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And pretty much immediately after Isaac has given this blessing to Jacob, Esau comes back. And when they discover what has happened, when they discover Jacob's deception, they are both devastated and angry. Now, in the short time that we have this morning, I aim, I want to do one simple thing. I want us to see and to understand that our situation before God is very different to Jacob's situation in this story. We don't approach the father like Jacob did, fearful in case we're found out. I want us to grasp that when we come to God, our heavenly father, we come boldly. We come with confidence to receive the blessing that he has for us. This morning, I want us to more fully understand our position, our identity, as we receive that blessing, so that we can more fully live in the good of it and see it bearing fruit in our lives. Quite simply, I want us to recognise that we are not deceiving God in the way that Jacob deceived Isaac. And that, that might sound quite obvious when I put it like that, but actually, I think this is a trap that we can very easily fall into. Do you ever feel inadequate when you're coming before God? Do you feel like you shouldn't really be getting his blessing? Do you question your inheritance in Christ? Do you feel like you really need to try harder to be good enough? If that's you, it might just be that you need to come back to this very simple truth. You are not deceiving God. God has not been fooled into giving you a blessing. And this, this was certainly true for me for a large part of my Christian life. I grew up with parents who loved Jesus. I was always surrounded by church. Um, we went to great churches as I grew up. I learned uh, so much. I was taught by amazing men and women of God. And at quite a young age, I made my own decision to follow Jesus. And as in my early teens, I was baptised as a public demonstration of that faith that I had in Jesus. And I am sure that nobody ever intentionally taught me wrongly. I'm sure that the heart in everything that I was taught was that I would know Jesus more and follow him more closely. But somehow growing up, 
something went a little bit astray. Because I had misunderstanding of what it means to be in Christ. And then one day, um, I heard a man called Terry Virgo preach um, when he wrote this book, God's Lavish Grace. And I heard him preach on God's Lavish Grace and it blew my mind. You see, somehow along the way, I had absorbed something which just isn't quite true. And it's something that I think a lot of us live with day by day without even realising it. I heard people speaking about uh, what Christ had done on the cross. And I heard phrases about being hidden in Christ. I'd heard people say things like this. When God looks at me, he no longer sees me, he sees Jesus. And because of that, I can now come to him free from sin and shame. You recognise that kind of phrase? I'd heard preachers about how we're clothed in Christ. And that's something that Paul talks a lot about in the New Testament, in his letters. I'd heard all of those things that are true about us when we are in Christ. And it had helped me. It had helped me to understand what Jesus had done for me. But underneath it all, I was still misunderstanding something fundamental. See, somehow, I still believed that I had to hide myself from God. That God couldn't look upon my sin and my sinful nature, and therefore I had to hide behind the person of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, I was amazed at everything that Jesus had done for me. And I, I, I knew that, really, um, I, was, I was rubbish. Everything I did was dirty rags. And it was only because I was hidden somehow in Jesus that I could receive the blessings from God and all the promises that God had for me because I was hiding. Somehow... I felt like I was pretending to be something that I wasn't, just like in this story of Jacob, that if Isaac knew that it was Jacob there, not Esau, he would never have given the blessing. And I felt that if God saw that it was me hiding, that when he looked, he didn't see Jesus, but he saw part of me slip out, he wouldn't give the blessing. I couldn't really come close as myself, as Claire. I had to somehow keep hidden from God. And all of this is so close to the truth that many, many followers of Jesus go through our whole lives understanding it that way and not realising that there's something missing. And you might have listened then to what I was describing and thought, well, hang on, that's right. That is how we come to Jesus, isn't it? That is how we come to God. You might have even heard yourself using that phrase, that when you come to God, he sees Jesus and not you. And if that's you, I want to encourage you this morning. Firstly, you're not alone. It's very easy to fall into that understanding and to seeing things that way. Secondly, I want to help you see that the truth is mind-blowingly freeing and is so much more amazing than that. And I remember the evening uh, when this understanding of who I am in Christ 
changed for me. I'd gone with Phil to hear Terry Virgo preach at a conference and, and that weekend actually became incredibly significant for me in a number of ways. But fundamentally it started with God changing my understanding of what it means to be in Christ. You see, what I came to understand is very simple and it's this. We're not hiding in Christ. We're not hiding there. We're not hiding behind him. We're not fooling or deceiving God by making it so that he only sees Jesus and he doesn't see us. It's actually not like that. It's not like Jacob with Isaac, that somehow uh, God doesn't see us, that he only sees Jesus and that's what makes it all okay. It's much more significant than that. You see, when Jesus died and rose again, what he did was he made it possible for you and for me to be changed completely. And 2 Corinthians puts it like this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. It goes on to say, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are new creations. We are made new. We aren't just clothed in righteousness. We become it. We become it. We aren't hiding in the identity of Christ and somehow God might accidentally notice us there and be shocked or disgusted. No, God has put us there. He knows we are there in Christ. He has completely altered who we are so that now what he sees and he smells and he touches as we come to him is pleasing and acceptable to him. When you come to God, he sees you. We're not tricking him. We're not passing ourselves off as somebody that we're not. When God looks at me, he sees me. But he sees me differently because of what Jesus has done. He sees me as righteous. Now that doesn't mean that it is impossible for me to sin, you'll be surprised to hear. It doesn't mean that I am now a perfect human being with no flaws. What it does mean is that I can approach God with confidence. Because he has chosen to credit me with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The biblical word for this is that we are justified, that we are declared or made righteous in God's sight. God himself has placed your entire being in Christ. He has given you the identity of Christ Jesus. Terry Virgo in his book puts it like this. God's answer to condemnation is justification. You cannot be condemned and justified at the same time. If the judge declares you not guilty, there is no condemnation. And the promise plainly declares that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has spoken. Your acceptance in Christ is beyond argument. This is about your identity. It is about who God says you are. And why is that difference in how we approach God? Why is it so important? Well, 
It is all about the blessing. For Jacob, it was all about the blessing that he wanted to receive from his father Isaac. And for us, it's all about the blessing that we receive from our heavenly father. What is the blessing that we receive? It is more than just your salvation. The blessing is all the benefits that come from being in Christ. Ephesians tells us that our Heavenly Father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Our blessing in Christ is receiving his identity, receiving the authority that he has, the freedom of access to God the Father that he has. Colossians tells us, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. We inherit the fullness of God. That's the blessing that we receive. That's not something that I want to miss out on because of a misunderstanding. And I don't want you to miss out on it either. The New Testament refers to being in Christ, in him, clothed in him, putting on Christ, dressed in him over 70 times. What it means for us to be in Christ is one of the most amazing and freeing things that we can truly come to understand. And I would really encourage every one of us to take time to, to look at this, to uh, increase your understanding of what it means to be in Christ, what your identity in Christ is. I would recommend this book by Terry Virgo, Terry Virgo uh, entitled God's Lavish Grace. Also, um, a guy called Andrew Bunt, who has spoken here at CCM a number of times, has written this uh, excellent and very readable book. Uh, it's called Who in Heaven's Name Do You Think You Are? Um, and it is a great tool for using in groups as well, this one. Um, Neil Anderson wrote a book called Who I Am in Christ. And you can find online... Um, a list that he produced of statements about who you are in Jesus, which are very helpful just to remind yourself of your identity and of who God says you are. Jacob got what he wanted. He got the blessing from his father. But notice this, Jacob doesn't begin to live in the fullness of that blessing. He doesn't step out into it. He doesn't own it. He doesn't live in the good of it. It doesn't bear fruit in his life. What's the blessing? The blessing is that he would be a leader, that he would be lord over his brothers, that people would bow down to him. But what actually happens? His brother threatens his life and he runs away. He doesn't begin to live in the truth of that blessing until much, much later when God has done lots of other things in his lives has revealed lots to him and has given him a new name. Why? Why doesn't he live straight away in the fullness of that blessing? Well, I think in part it's because he knew that he'd stolen the blessing. He felt that he didn't deserve it. He didn't see that it was actually God's plan that he would have that blessing anyway. And that can be true of us when we have this misunderstanding. We come into relationship with Jesus, but we fail to step into the fullness of what that means if we don't fully live in the good of God's blessing on our lives. And sometimes that's because 
we think of ourselves like Jacob because we have that tendency uh, to misunderstand what being in Christ means. We can believe that we don't deserve the blessing. We can believe that um, we shouldn't benefit from it, that we need to work really hard to prove that we're worthy of it. And that is why it's so important uh, that we understand the difference and we understand that we are not uh, approaching God like Jacob approached Isaac. If we're to live in the fullness of the blessing, we need to understand that. We don't need to hide behind Jesus because in Christ is not like Jacob being in Esau. It's not a deception. I think I've said that quite a few times now. I hope that that is uh, going in. We don't have to work hard to make sure that a little part of us doesn't slip out somehow and God spots us there. Imagine, just for a minute, that Jacob's story had been a little bit different. Imagine that it was Isaac and not Rebecca who had heard from God that Jacob was to rule and lead. Imagine that one day Esau went out hunting and Isaac called Jacob in. Jacob, I believe that God has a plan for you and that the blessing which should belong to your older brother Esau should actually be given to you. I am choosing to call you my firstborn, to give you the blessing that instead of Esau. How would that have changed the story? The outcome would be the same. The blessing is given to Jacob instead of Esau. All the same words are prayed and spoken over him. But imagine the difference of how Jacob would have felt about it, how confident he would have been to approach Isaac and receive the blessing, how he wouldn't have gone on the run. Uh, he, wouldn't, he would have stepped straight into the good of that because it would have borne fruit in his life from that day because he knew it belonged to him. He knew it was his identity, not stolen, not obtained by deception, but freely given. He would know. That when Isaac looked on him, he chose to see him as the firstborn. That's a very different story, isn't it? It's a very different story. And that is our story in Christ. <clears throat> when we read the Old Testament stories, they often hold up a picture for us of what it's like for us in Christ or a picture of Jesus. And sometimes they hold up a contrasting picture of how different it is for us than it was for them. And this is one of those stories. We look at this story, we see the contrast between Jacob fearfully approaching his father, hiding in the identity of his brother Esau and ourselves now, boldly approaching our heavenly father, full of confidence, having been freely given the identity of our brother, Jesus Christ. When we fully grasp this, that God himself has chosen to place us in Christ every, so that everything that Christ inherits as the firstborn is our also given to us. That changes everything. And that's what I want for each of us this morning, that one simple thing. I want us to understand that our situation before God is very different to Jacob's situation. We don't approach the father like Jacob did. We're not hiding we approach boldly with confidence to receive the blessing that God has for us so that we can more fully live in the good of it and we can see it bearing fruit in our own lives.